Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we break down the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. This is the last of our hiatus episodes. You may notice that we've skipped a few, right, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> we were going to talk did about. Did you all notice five. we skipped a few? <laughs> Oh, there were five uh, TV movies from the Incredible Hulk TV show. We did, uh, we you know, we just ran into scheduling issues. It got a little tricky trying to get all of that done. I would just like to say, for the record, I recorded my half of all of them, and it's sitting in the vault. <laughs> and at some point, Andy may choose to go fill in the, the blank. Just fill in, fill in the blanks for my That's half. That's right. That would be great. No, uh, no, but uh, we did want to get one more hiatus episode in uh, because we are gearing up to uh, have the Incredible Hulk season of the Marvel Movie Minute begin. And there's a bit of a change. And this is uh, pretty exciting. As I said, uh, Pete and my schedule, it's been a little crazy trying to get everything done. And so we reached out to some friends, uh, Kyle Olson and Rob Cabasco, who uh, you may have heard Kyle on the uh, the Iron Man episodes talking with me about that film, and uh, they said, "Hey, you know what? We'd love to chat about Hulk and uh, and jump in on this." So uh, so let me welcome him. Hey guys. Hey, this is Kyle, and this is Rob. So we, we yeah we we started talking online because uh, we do the uh, Road to Infinity podcast, which is a Marvel movie MCU focused. Uh, so we go through all them, and so we've been done a rewatch of all of the movies but it turns out that while we're doing our news episodes next year is kind of a quiet year for marvel so <laughs> when uh, we were talking to you guys we thought well our schedule actually got a lot lighter because there's only two movies coming out in the entire year uh plus maybe some television shows so we thought hey this would be a fun thing to step into plus i had a lot of fun uh, doing my part of the iron man five minutes talking about uh tony stark taking his armor out for uh, his first spin around the block yeah it was like the first um the mark ii uh mm -hmm. trial those run, are some right? sweetheart right. minutes sweetheart oh minutes yeah right there. yeah i was glad yeah, i got to get in there i can't believe nobody else yeah right <laughs> Well, I am thrilled to have you guys here and to introduce you to uh, to all the listeners. Uh, and uh, I, I guess I can say I'm thrilled to chat with you guys about Ang Lee's Hulk. <laughs> Are we thrilled? <laughs> well, guys, this is all the trial by fire. Have, like, we've seen the Incredible Hulk and can talk a lot about it. And then you make us watch Ang Lee's Hulk before we get the job. <laughs> oh, I know. It's a little bit of hazing, guys. Seriously. <laughs> it is a little here's, bit. And here's, and here's a funny problem is that I realized watching this, I had never seen this before. <gasps> really? Really? I have an excuse. Uh, we were talking about this before the show. This this movie came out four months after my my daughter was born. Oh, oh yeah. You and were in the, bubble. the weekend of my wife's birthday and my first Father's Day. Oh, oh wow. So dear. I never got to the theater to see this. And I think I've only seen parts of it like on whenever it was on like stars or something. Whenever I had a subscription to that. So I, I this was completely new to me. And. Wow. wow. So good, right? <laughs> we you really are grateful that we gave you this opportunity to revisit a little mm, bit of history. Mm boy. So bet. Well, it's it's really interesting because <laughs> I mean, it took it took a long time to get this made. I mean, they were really trying to get this made since the last of the TV movies, which was 1990, uh, which was the trial of the Incredible Hulk. They were trying to get something off the ground. And Gail and Hurd had been involved kind of the whole time. And a variety of writers and directors just kind of came through and lots of different scripts and some people who seemed to appreciate Hulk more and some people who didn't really seem to understand the character. There was a point where one of the writers was fed up because he felt like the people at the studio wanted it to be like a, a Jim Carrey comedy type of project. Oof. I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> Like, why was that a direction? I think there ever... must have been an executive floating around because I remember hearing the same thing about there was a Green Lantern movie that was supposed to be a flat out comedy. There was a Batman movie that was supposed to be a flat out comedy. There must this guy must just be going through all the studios going, guys, guys, <laughs> I got an idea got for it. you. Right. Shake things up a little bit. <laughs> so wait, so then what they ended up with was a guy who walked around just saying, I want to make a really angry movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, uh, like, 
Wow. Introspective. We want to have a lot of just thinking, just watching people think. That's what people want from a Hulk movie. And we want to put one of Australia's greatest comic actors in the lead role. Uh Yes. Yeah. Until until funny people. I had no idea Eric Bono was funny. He's a funny dude. Like I I, because I saw this was the first thing I'd seen him in like most Americans, I think. And I thought he was just a dramatic actor between Chopper and this. Yeah. Well, Chopper is what Ang Lee saw him in. And that's like really kind of what got his name out there, because, I mean, that's a very much more intense sort of film. And it fits with, I guess, the anger that you you get here. Well, I mean, I need to say it feels a little bit. I need to say something controversial. And I'm going to go ahead and Uh get it out early because I'm the guy who liked Rise of Skywalker. Are you ready? Here you go. (laughs) Eric Bana makes a pretty good Bruce Banner. The problem is, the script is unperformable. You know, here's Mm. the thing. Ang Lee, I really, I like Ang Lee. I think he's a really interesting director. He's done a lot of really interesting movies. Uh, You know, he's He's hard to pin down. Well, the thing about Ang Lee, and I think this is why they wanted him to come on board, is he is a director who never wears the same hat. You know, he always likes to shake things up and do something different. And that's fantastic. You know, I mean, he's done everything from costume dramas to to, you know, just heavy period dramas to westerns to to, uh, you know, uh, kung fu movies. Uh, I mean, he's all over the map with his sorts of storytelling. And I think that's exciting. And I think that you know, I, I think that all the intentions were there with what they were bringing to Hulk as far as trying to find a filmmaker who could bring a little bit more to the story that wasn't necessarily just kind of a comic book character movie. I, I just don't know if if it ended up kind of if all of the different pieces kind of came together in a way that worked. I mean, I get where they were going because, I mean, there's a really dramatic story that they came up with. Uh, Kyle, you'll probably be able to correct me with Hulk when his dad was introduced as kind of the big bad in his life. I think that came out in the 80s, that storyline. So. Yeah, yeah, that was a, that was in Peter David's run. And, and that definitely kind of fit with something that I, I can see Ang Lee and James Seamus kind of coming, like attaching themselves to, really gravitating to something that where they can have a real heavy story involving family conflict and uh, kind of imbuing the this comic book movie with a lot of that heaviness. And, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't mind the psychological uh, exploration that they do here, but it it sometimes feels like they're at odds with what the movie's trying to do. Yeah, I think Ang Lee could make a fantastic comic book movie. This isn't it. And I think part of the problem was the character he chose. Because uh, when you have the name on the marquee that says Hulk, or Incredible Hulk, or Amazing Hulk, or whatever adjective you want to put in front of it, there's a certain expectation that goes along with it of a big green guy that's going to tear stuff down. And Having that married with this deep psychological internal struggle, fathers and sons and that stuff, I don't think it matches very well. I think he probably could find another superhero who's much more psychologically damaged to do this one, as opposed to the one who gets green and knocks down buildings. No, I I, I think that that probably is true, and 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 I feel like what, I mean on rewatch of this because I mean I've seen this a number of times over the years, and just on rewatch, it really struck me this time and like how many. Uh, kind of flashbacks we had or dreams that we had of of Bruce remembering his childhood and all of these things that just kind of it just felt so heavy and I'm just like gosh I don't know if we really if this is really helping the story move forward in any way and it was I don't know just there there are multiple sequences of dreams inside of dreams or or flashbacks mm-hmm. inside of dreams and that as soon as you have the Russian nesting dolls of flashbacks you like totally <laughs> lose the story and I think that that's one of the problems of this movie is that for over two hours, it feels like a a montage. It never kind of mm-hmm. comes out of the credits, the momentum that they build yeah. in the credits, which yeah. I think actually is, it, I don't know if this is telling, I think the opening credits are some of the strongest material in the film, um, <laughs> that that they actually, like they try to tell you, here's what we're doing here. Here's the the backstory of this, of the scientist, uh, David Banner now, and they bring us in and it just never uh, gives me anything to, to really hang on to, right? Any, any sort of emotional. Emotional uh, hook. 
this was during the period where they really felt they had to explain yeah. everything as well. And that opening thing is like, why is he green? Well, we're going to tell you. Why does he regenerate? Yeah. We're going to tell you. Like they go down it and go through pretty much every animal in the animal kingdom that well, adds up to it. Okay, but so, so here's the thing, <laughs> though, Kyle. I don't, know if we, I don't know if we needed that or if that's something that we don't need with the gift of, of history now, uh, the gift of the MCU, mm, with the sure. gift of all these movies. I think there is really something to be said for Ang Lee's approach in at this time where we still just needed to enculturate folks uh, about what they're getting into, about how they build this yeah. character, how they, you know, what people care about in this universe. And and so I didn't have as much of a problem with that. I, I certainly would if they made this movie now. I don't need to see the yeah. starfish. I don't need to see him breaking the sea cucumber. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... Okay, so never had, having never seen this, the whole opening month, the whole opening sequence of telling him the story. One, I literally just sat there and my my mouth was open and I was like, I what is yeah. this? Right? Because take the nuance. Okay, starting a movie, a comic book hero movie, starting it with this very deep family, you know, trauma story. Compare that to what to what uh we they did with Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. uh, so much better storytelling, so much more emotional and and not comical just very heartfelt and real. So that whole thing was just crazy. Um, the thing that got me is though, and I know you had the star Wars reference, which is great because <laughs> here's what bothered me that, okay, this whole thing is crazy. Right. And I'm sitting there going, what is, what is going on? We have a time jump. Somehow Kate McKinnon went back in time <laughs> because the, the, his stepmom that talks to him before he goes off to college. It's like, it's Kate McKinnon when she's 65. I, I literally couldn't get past wow. that. So I'm sitting there going, Wait, how did that happen? But the best is when we get to the first moment between uh, Betty and, and, and Bruce, which I didn't even get that he wasn't even known as Banner until he even said it, right? Okay, I literally had a flashback to episode two because the whole way that scene is acted and the whole way they're all entirely acted throughout this movie is Padme and Anakin from episode two. Her first words out, out of the door are, I hate them. And I literally sat there and I even made a note. It was literally like I expected her to say, I hate sand. <laughs> Can't, don't like it. And it's just so wooden and so weird. And you're right. I mean, the script, the script is unmanageable because no one yes, talks like no that. No one talks like that. This is one of those challenges we've talked about before. And I can't remember it, who it was, Andy. Was it um, with like the fifth element? Luke Besson? Uh, Luke Besson movies that there is something about the the translation that just doesn't work like it just doesn't sound natural in an english language movie and the, i i mm. wonder if there is some angliism that we're hearing that that would sound great in cantonese i don't i don't know uh but i just well i mean that's that's saying that he wrote the script which he didn't so i think that there is a an issue with just hearing what sounds wooden and being able as a director to say that's not good that what you're doing there that I'm capturing on film is bad. Let's do it better. Let's find new, different words. I think he got what he wanted, though, because everyone is playing at the same level. Like, everyone's at yeah. a three. Like, they're all, like, except for Nick Dolte, who's playing at a 15. Yeah, <laughs> he's always playing at the Nick Dolte level. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Nick Dolte just has his own set of... But, every, I mean, every single person, except, like, they'll go up to maybe a five. Like, that's your, that's your, uh, your Josh Lucas. Uh, and you know, maybe a couple of Thunderbolt Ross scenes, and that's oh, and yeah. that's about it. Everybody like because it's it's like yeah. it's all very sedate. It's very mean, you know. Even like the Hulk himself when he's out there, very rarely does he actually show any expression of anger on his face. Now I, I understand ILM we're we're still trying to figure this stuff out, but most of the times he's just sort of looking around like, okay, yeah. So I gotta mash some jets, you know, gotta mash some tanks and throw some guys around. All right, like he never really seems angry about any of it he just needs more mildly annoyed <laughs> i feel like that comes from i mean i know that they picked ang lee for a lot of reasons because he's a he, he can direct really interesting things but i just feel like it's just like I, I i don't know if i completely agree with your your push on that pete because i feel like it's just it's ang lee directing an ang lee movie but i mm-hmm. don't think that necessarily works as a comic book movie you know and i think that's the 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 misstep oh, i think here, we're making I think the same Ang point Lee's doing a, 
Well, maybe, but I mean, I, I think these actors are doing a great job in an Ang Lee movie, but it just doesn't it, it it doesn't necessarily translate properly. And so, in turn, when when it's coming, the comic book language is coming out of them. It's just it's not making any sense to me. So, uh, it's, so and it's frustrating. And I mean, I think there are some solid elements in here. It's just I, I feel like the script is just it's it's we're, we're in violent agreement on the script thing. I just my question for oh, you, yeah. Andy, is that I mean, is there a voice in your head? Is there a delivery uh, from Eric Bana or from Jennifer Connelly or from Sam Elliott? Is there a delivery of that they could could give you of the words in this script with a different director that would actually live up to our expectations. Sure. I, I think these these are great actors and I think that they oh. easily could could do it well with the script that made sense. And, 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 and that's I, exactly my point that I think that another director would hear this I don't think it's the director. I don't think so. I uh, I well, yes, because I I yes I agree. <laughs> <laughs> because oh, it's, I'm starting it's, to see why we're taking yeah, over. Do you see show. what I did there? Because <laughs> you guys can't stand <laughs> in the same podcast together. All right. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> because it's 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 an Ang Lee, yeah, because Ang Lee is directing this James Seamus script, and he and James have been working together forever, and I think that their collaboration of creating this movie made a movie that they wanted to make, but it's not the Hulk movie that needed to be made. I don't Can know. I, I throw a wrench. Yeah. Can I throw a wrench into that? <laughs> sure. The The transitions. Ah, yes. I and here's, and here, okay. love it though. Okay, wait, but wait. Here's what I want to tell you. This is okay. Here's here's one of my points. Fifteen oh six. Go to go to the fifteen minutes six six second mark. Okay. Here's what happens. We still haven't seen a Hulk at this point. Okay, no, exactly. Bruce and Betty are having a conversation, right? Because they're working in the lab. Bruce looks at her with all I can say is a creepy thousand yard stare. <laughs> Transition into Betty into the shot where an iBook is matted and the iBook comes out right under his nose. So now he looks a thousand times creepier. And now she's in the shot and he's just looking at her and I was uncomfortable. Like I literally, I literally sat there and went, yeah, dude, what are you, what are you doing? What, what was that? And it happens again and again in the movie. I'm going to say what Ang Lee would say is that's a win. Mm hmm. Yes, he made you feel. And look, I think that may be That's the right. third time I've made Rob bow his head over the course but, of I mean, this. It made me feel yeah. like I got to lock my wife and daughter up. Well, if you ever watch the on? if you ever watch the ice storm, make sure that you're alone. Yeah, smart. Oh. I I want to say again, controversial position. This movie is edited and uh, and cut together aggressively comic-y and. I yes. am here for it. I loved everyone. Okay. Well, all of the split screen <laughs> I, I, and the weird matted transitions. I, I, I thought they were hysterical. I, I'm a fan of that as well. I thought that was great. But once again, it didn't feel like it, it came from a it came from a different movie, is what it feels yeah. like. Because you have that. You have this dramatic thing back and forth. I love Josh Lucas's death, like freeze frame <laughs> with the fire. I mean, it's fantastic. And then they'll cut to Hulk staring at a bush for two minutes. Like it's right. It's, the two things are so so incongruous. They just do not match up in the same movie. And it's like when when you have like, look, it's Lycan now. Zoom, like now, the reaction out of Hulk zoom in on Lycan, Hulk, Lycan, Hulk. Like okay, this is not Terrence Malick. Like calm down. Even Andy. even Hulk needs a mindfulness minute. You guys <laughs> make no mistake. Make no mistake. This movie has the greatest multi-camera shot of a cargo helicopter yes. convoy. No mistake. <laughs> yes, right. It's the greatest. The greatest. But there is a shot. There is one of those multi-camera shots they do later on where he's like escaping the facility, facility or whatever. There's a shot of General Ross. They got two Sam Elliotts. One of them strokes his chin. The other doesn't. And I went, what? What's yeah. happening? There's even a moment yeah, with a triple that a reaction yeah. from Ross. Yeah. Like when yeah. three shots of him, he's all he's doing something different in every shot of like what head and hands, hand on chin, looking off into distance, like, okay, so which is the real one? Which is happening? Yes. That's kind of an Ang Lee thing, right? Because he he is a deeply introspective guy. And I I when when you see his movies that are 
tonally more in alignment to his vision. Uh, like those kinds of tropes work really well for him because you get this feeling like, okay, now we get kind of the head and the heart experience and we see how those are manifested in different cuts and different angles. And and for me, that that does work. It's weird here to my I, I couldn't that's it's some of that stuff I couldn't quite adjust to. But but how do you but how do you even do like scenes like okay, like I mean an out laugh out loud scene is when Nick Nolte shows up as the janitor, right? <laughs> Betty leaves the office yeah. and also, she's like, oh, hey, where's where's Benny? Uh-huh. And Nick Nolte goes, Benny's dead. Yeah. <laughs> and also the fact they shot it from behind like it's supposed to be a That's surprise. A mystery, right? That's Nick Nolte. And, and Betty, <laughs> Betty goes to the Benny's dead. This is her response. Oh, 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 nice to meet you. Guess I'm not getting that cookware back. What did he say anything about my five dollars? Yeah. <laughs> what, what's happening? You know, I feel like I, I want to defend this movie because I, I really don't think well, it's as bad as we're making it out. But then no, no, you say it, things it, like that, and I'm like, well, you know, yeah, that that is okay, in there. Well, I mean, uh, that it's is really hard there. to defend Hulk dogs. I mean, um, in terms of action, yeah, they're from the comics. He wasn't in, in movie invention. And uh, I don't know. They make yeah, me laugh but because I mean, like, it's like the, it's one the of the Hulk has fought a lot of ridiculous yeah. things over the years. Uh, he like, has them should be should be kept to the comic pages. I think that that was actually a really funny thing to throw in here because <laughs> the fact that one of them is a poodle. I mean, come yeah. on, you know they're laughing at that. I mean, it's, it's so funny. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. It's grown on me oh, over God. the years. And and when he kills them, the exploding yeah. green mist. Yeah. What was yeah. that all no. about? What, what is that? Which doesn't hit her face, even no. though the windshield's basically gone. It doesn't. Right. Yeah. No. Oh, I didn't get that What's at so, all. What, yeah. I, okay, I don't. I also don't understand her motivations in that. Like, that was her hero moment is shutting off the car. She's like, you know what? I'm no, staying. I'm gonna yeah. stay. I'm gonna stay and watch this happen. <laughs> Why? <laughs> it was just. Uh, it was yeah, morbid fascination. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, know. I guess so. Uh, like she wasn't. I, I mean, she's a scientist. She wasn't even taking notes. <laughs> Come on. Taking pictures or whatever, yeah. I uh, I have a, a comic question I need somebody to straighten out for me. Okay. Uh, sure. Let's talk about... I'll, I'll try. Nanomeds. Oh, and the right. relationship to comic <laughs> oh, history, please. The 2000s. Yeah, the 2000s were just loaded with nano everything. That was the, the go-to fact. Word. No, the, the, the origins of like, the Hulk originally had nothing to do with any type of nanotech or even any biotech. It was about weapons. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Stan Lee just read an article about gamma rays. He's like, well, that sounds neat. Gamma rays, made a note to himself, and then just threw it in, not really doing any research because at the time, it was just about cranking out the issues. Uh, but yeah, uh, Bruce Banner was a was a bomb developer. He was developing the next atomic bomb, which was the gamma bomb. Uh, and so when he saw a kid in his jalopy, like an Archie type, mm-hmm. bebopping around <laughs> on the thing, he ran out and threw the kid into the pit because like that's going to help in a nuclear explosion. And it explodes <laughs> and it irradiates him, and that's how he becomes Hulk. But he becomes the Hulk by being a hero. And so that's one of my problems with this one is that they change that intent in this one that there's a father, so there's a genetic component, there's a thing, and then he sort of sacrifices himself, you know, to, to save the, the random dude who just disappears from the movie shortly yeah, right. after, after he gets his life saved. Uh, but yeah, it's like it's changing that changes how, how the, the Hulk sort of reacts, and then he sort of becomes reactionary through the rest of it, where the other one, this was definitely an, an intent. I think that's a I think that's a really great thing to point out and why this movie is lampooned and sort of unforgivable in what they do to the Hulk origin story, because, you know, yeah. I'm I'm all about like taking liberties with origin stories and and like have sure. have some fun with them. But this one, uh, I sort of feel the same way I do when Zack Snyder had Superman uh, break a neck. Right. Like that, that breaks a fundamental, like a core character element for me personally, that that is is I I don't want to say untouchable, like everything is you can play with everything. But but that's one that broke an identity of Superman that was core to who I understood him to be. And this one you can see Rob, the the, the, uh, listeners can't hear see Rob smiling because he knows how much I have gone on the same point about Man of Steel and how fundamentally it misses the point of Superman. (laughs) This is not that big of a swing and miss, but I I would I would agree with you totally. It's absolutely, uh, and I disagree with well, Kyle, but I'm still friends with him. So I <laughs> both of you as well. 
Well, it, it's I mean, I'm, I'm curious about that point, though, Pete, because, I mean, it, it feels like they are doing largely what the TV show did. Like, it feels like and this is something I think you guys will talk about a lot in The Incredible Hulk is uh, in, as you're breaking it down minute by minute is uh, how much of it is pulling from the TV show, how much of it is pulling from the comics, because I think there's a lot of the TV show in a lot of different kind of stylistic choices and decisions that they are pulling into that film and this film. And I think the kind of decision to kind of have the way that he kind of, you know, gets irradiated here, uh, it feels a little bit more from the TV show. And it's hard to judge them too strongly on the whole thing with his dad because that did get written in in the 80s, kind of the whole backstory with Brian Banner, which, uh, you know, I'm not as familiar with, but I know it's there. And so I, I feel like they're they are kind of mixing a lot of little bits and pieces of Hulk history into the origin story. Um, I, while at the same time, I say that I do completely agree with you. I'm not a fan of this version of it. There are ways you can do Hulk. And, and like, I'm not a Hulk purist by any image because I've, I've watched the television show. I've watched the animated show. I've watched the kids animated show. I mean, I've seen all versions. There are there are ways to tell the Hulk story. That's Jekyll and Hyde. There are ways to tell the Hulk story. That's Frankenstein's monster. Uh, and and in Peter David's run, he did a, all of them. Like he he examined a bunch of different psychological things. That was where Smart Hulk is from his run too, because there became a point where it was like, well, what if we tried this too? When uh, we see that then play out in uh, the latest Avengers movie, so there are ways to do it. But yeah, for this one, it just I, it was a it was a miss for me just because it seems like he's such the victim in this because it's it's all dad. Yeah. Yeah, that that's really that's really it for me, because as soon as you make the core villain dad, then you lose the mystique and the mythos of the man versus technology. Right. And yeah, that's right. to me yeah. what is central to Hulk. And for a big budget like a movie like this, introducing the father son element, I think, does a disservice to the character in pop culture. And it, when and this thing is going to be a major stake in the ground spending, you know, $100 million on it, um, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's it's a little bit unfair to the character is all. Even though they did it in the comics uh, before, you're right, because the bulk of people who are familiar with yeah. this Hulk story aren't necessarily familiar with that story. It, it would be equivalent to starting a, a Hulk franchise with Professor Hulk, right? I mean, that it's just unfair right. to the character yeah. to start with that because yeah. you miss so much of what makes... This is actually my main complaint with most of the X-Men movies because whenever they introduce a character, they're introducing the character from 10 years down the line of that character. It's so, like, you know, when they show up, it's like, well, but you're missing everything that took them to get them to that point. Well, yeah, and it's it's always tricky because uh, comic book characters are such interesting beasts anyway, because whether no matter what point in time they started, like Tony Stark, for example, uh, he he fits his time of when he was kind of birthed in the comics. But they kind of keep finding ways to update it as they go along. And he, even though, you know, he's been in comics for decades now, his age really hasn't changed. And so the story kind of has to keep evolving and everything and that's i i certainly get that and appreciate it but you're you're right i think there are elements of those origins that they are always smart to bring in and maybe that's why spider-man is such a success because they really kind of keep going back to kind of the core elements of that character and with uncle ben and everything and and it really helps solidify kind of the 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 simple origin of the character i think it helps if you if you really do do that hero's journey i you know that's what's missing in this because the hero's journey is really, really conflicted. I will say that by the time I got to the end of the movie, I was rooting for Ross <laughs> because yeah, yeah. everyone was fairly unlikable. The dad is a monster. The scene where she goes, she goes to his house and there's a weird shot where he's almost, you think he's getting a rag with like, you know, a chemical on it and he's going to, yeah, I don't know. Right? Yeah, right. Right. And right. you're like, okay, dude, you're dead to me. You're that done. Right. Banner's the guy, you know, he's got this, the, 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 they talk about the nightmare of him choking her out. And then he, you know, the creepy scene where he picks her up as a little girl and you're like, okay, I'm out. You're done. Yeah. Um, it, it just absolutely, there were just, there were so many, they made every character in this unlikable. All right. So I, here's <laughs> me, a, here's a, a dare for everybody. I, I, can we come around, uh, Rob? I would like you to start. Uh -oh. <laughs> can we come around and just say one thing about this movie that you passionately liked? Ah. 
Oh, wait, I have <laughs> And it can't be the yeah, opening yeah. credits because I already had that. <laughs> no, no, no. Transitions, so we already talked yep, about that, yep. too. You got to go through and find something. I've got three. I've got three. Number three. one. Okay. Wow. Number one. Greatest comeback ever by a villain. Glenn, I'm going to write a book. That book's called When Stupid Ideals Happen to Smart Penniless Scientists. <laughs> that's a great line. That is a that great was, line. I mean, yep. that's a horrible book. <laughs> I don't know right. which of the three screenwriters wrote it, but who knows? That was, that was a great line, right? Second second thing is when she goes to, to Banner Dad's house, mm-hmm. she passes Fillmore's house from Cars. <laughs> There's, there's like a, it's Fillmore's house. It's the, it's the, the, the metal military warehouse. And it's got like the psychedelic oh, stuff oh, and the flowers right. and everything. Okay. I thought that was amazing. Okay. And I also love the scene at the end when he's battling the tanks, he looks at the final tank and the guys in the tank just go, <laughs> and he, you know, they just, they just kind of melt inside the tank. He takes the gun and points it directly mm-hmm. yeah. to the guy in the pilot's jet. I was like. That's yeah, funny. That I was like funny. That. And I love yeah, just the handling that that's, close that's up. That's into mine. Yeah. My my favorite thing would be that fight too. That that desert Hulk versus tanks in the desert. Yeah, I think that that's some of ILM's best stuff they did. I think some of the best effects in the movie. And it's because it excels the story. And the only time the Hulk has any character is in that scene. And also like he, oh, he yeah. pulls the 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 barrel off of the one tank and then walks around and he's sort of like hitting it in his hand. I was like, that's like the first like human type thing of we've seen the personality this whole time where he's not just running or screaming at some people. All right. I got a few, uh, despite what you say and, and no matter how much fun you're going to make of me forever now, <laughs> I still love the gamma dogs and the, the, <laughs> the fight with them. I just, I just, it makes me laugh out loud every time I watch it. I'm sure that's not what they're going for, but <laughs> because of that, it ends up working for me. <laughs> Ang Lee somewhere is saying, wait, you laughed at that? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that's one. Um, Josh Lucas, I think, is a fantastic Glenn Talbot. And, uh, you know, I I can't imagine they would ever pull anything from this film into the MCU. But if there was one thing, I would love to see him. And, of course, he's dead, so it doesn't make any sense. But still, he really just kind of did a great job as that character. So I really enjoyed that. Um, and then uh, a, a character moment that I think worked really nicely for it, it, it fit for Ang Lee, it fit for Hulk. I don't know. I just I really liked it when Hulk flees the desert base and he's uh, running and he starts doing his Hulk leaps and he's kind of jumping. And there's a moment where he lands in the sand dunes and kind of kind of rolls down a little bit and, to get himself back up and, and take off again. There's something about that that just felt so kind of real. And I, I just really enjoyed that little moment there. I think, Andy, I think that is that's what I would pull out, too. It's that whole sequence. I think they nailed Hulk travel in this movie, right? Yes. The jumping. Absolutely. They just nailed it. And what better director to nail that kind of travel around the world than Ang Lee? I mean, this is some of the best stuff in this movie when... Hulk is jumping around from scenic location to scenic location and everything sort of slows down and you have the wind and the the character model of Hulk when he's in the air and you have this, I don't know, it's like a four second sequence where Hulk is flying and he's using his hands to kind of guide him against the wind. And it is just like it is every bit crouching Hulk, hidden tie, hidden dragons. Like it is it just feels so good to me and so authentically Hulk. Like I think they just nailed it. They got it just right. I think the all of those battle sequences there are a real dance between patience and silence and violence. And I think the way he navigates those action sequences is superb. And it, it's it's sequences like that that I think give like they, it elevates this movie beyond what it has become lampooned to be. And, and uh, you know, the Gamma Dogs. I'm with you, Andy. I had fun with the Gamma Dogs. I love making fun of the Gamma Dogs more than I love, <laughs> like, fighting in, on behalf of them. So that's not going to change. Uh, but I do have a good time with the Poodle. And yes. Danny Elfman's score is fantastic. Already said the editing is amazing. The way the frog explodes. I'm going to drop the mic on the frog explosion. That was horrible. And their reactions to it. Pure yeah. science. <laughs> oh, get another frog. Yeah, my, I think my favorite line in the movie is afterwards where they're like, where, I can't remember the exact line, but where Jennifer Connelly is basically saying, well, Betty Ross goes, 
if there's ever a plague of frogs, <laughs> oh, we'll be the ones that come. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> can we can we have some commentary on uh, Jennifer Connelly's Betty Ross? Uh, are we in favor or are we not? I think Jennifer Connelly is fantastic in everything she does. Yes. I've loved her since The Rocketeer. I think she's great, but and and she is, I think, doing exactly what she was asked to do, which is play it at the same level as everyone else. I think she, she's the one who comes across the most human of the whole thing. I mean, um, Sam she Elliott also, and his mustache uh, are pretty much playing the same note all the way through. That's what he's hired to do, yeah. and he did a great job of it. Uh, you can see Josh Lucas is having some fun, and who knows what planet Nick Nolte came from. But the, uh, uh, yeah. well, I think according to um, John Hodgman, uh, Nick Nolte is actually Quetzalcoatl in human form. <laughs> so. In this movie, that is finally just makes perfect. sense. Uh, I have to sense. say, so like that final, yeah, I, the Jennifer Connelly is, I, I think she's exceptional. I think she's just great. They caught her just right before bed in every scene. <laughs> well, the thing, the thing about her, though, is, is she carries an intelligence. Yeah. And that's what I love about Jennifer yeah. Connelly. Um, and I think it'll be an interesting thing to look at Betty in The Incredible Hulk with Liv Tyler, because I, I'm not saying that she doesn't carry intelligence, but I think Liv Tyler carries emotion a lot more. And I think Jennifer Connelly definitely carries more of that intelligence. And it's really interesting to kind of look at Betty Ross through those two different uh, spectrums because of the way that she was largely written, especially in the beginning when it was just such a, a kind of typically, sadly written female character uh, of the time. Um, you know, just always, you know, daddy, you know, just running around the base and just upset at her dad and everything. It just it was a little frustrating. And so it's interesting to see uh, how she's portrayed here. And actually, I have a question. And I don't know if you guys know it. Uh, when did it seem that Betty all of a sudden, because in both films, she's kind of estranged from her father, she's no longer talking to him. And it's just, you know, it, it, it the relationship is very forced. Is that something that happened at some point in the comic books? Because she was always with her dad in the comics, at least all the Hulk stuff that I've read. I haven't read all of it, but was that a thing that happened? Or is it something that kind of was birthed here in this film? It's a little bit of both. I mean, it's it's it was uh, in some, you know, they, they sort of have just like, uh, like you say, Tony Stark is always like he was caught in Vietnam, then he was caught in Korea, then he was caught in Afghanistan, like the the time the uh the events have moved a little bit it, it, at one point it was uh he was never there so it was just like the gruff guy who would come home and he was always on deployments and things so they were there was estranged that way and then there was that he sided you know he basically like you know sent sent the army after bruce and so that was the big split point of like how he, that was my boyfriend and why like, couldn't you try and help him so trying to kill him and so there's been a couple of things. And of course, eventually she becomes Red She-Hulk. So, you know, <laughs> stay around the Hulk long enough and you're going to get turned into something. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Even get... Ross got to be a Hulk for a while. Exactly. Speaking of Ross, yeah. I just have to complain a little bit. I love Sam Elliott. You're right. He's very one note here. But is it just me or did they trim his mustache like, you know, half an inch too short uh, <laughs> over his lip? It was so distracting. And when he curls his mouth, as he does sometimes, mm -hmm. it made it look crooked. Yep. And I, every time I was looking at him, I'm like, what is wrong with his mustache? It doesn't look right. It was so distracting every time Way I started. Too you're, much you're absolutely skin. right. Way too much skin between yeah. there. Yeah. Well, I don't I see anyone the, in the makeup department specifically hired for mustache. At least they weren't credited it, it for might, it. It but. might be involved facial hair wrangling. That's sometime a oh, credit. Yeah, you might that have searched for that. I was they saying, need I, to I bring think, in the they, they need to bring the people in from Tombstone. I missed. Tombstone. Uh, I was going to say, what, which is the better exactly. mustache? Right? Would it be yeah. Tombstone or would it be Big Lebowski? Oh. Mm. Pretty good mustache oh, in both. I can. Of them. I'm going to go Tombstone. I can see the yeah, Tombstone one yeah, working yeah. with tombstone. Thunderbolt Ross. I can't. Uh, yeah, the yeah, a little too sloppy. I think <laughs> on the Lebowski <laughs> side. Uh, speaking of the uh, the dad thing. I, I oh, had trouble yes. with the dad all the way through. The problem is, and I, I feel like you guys have made fun of him so far, so I don't know where you stand on <laughs> commitment to role, but the sequence no, where oh, he confront well, where, where yeah. they're in the chairs facing each other in the sort of like morning show set, like I mm -hmm. love Nick Nolte there, possibly more <laughs> than I've ever loved Nick Nolte. When he does the... <laughs> <laughs> like the crazy <laughs> wiggle that he gets. Has Ang Lee ever yeah. given anyone that much freedom in any scene in any movie it was he's ever done? Unhinged. 
Nolte. <laughs> yeah. And this movie is not it's celebrated enough as an unhinged Nolte movie. That's very true. That very is another great is. scene. He does that when he when he mocks him yes. for crying or mm-hmm. getting angry. That is that is really great. <laughs> I never even knew her name. Well, I'm not going to tell you either. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> really? Like, even then? Come on. But you know, they did go. There's a couple of scenes with Nolte in this and even Sam Elliott. It's like they're getting into a... Um, the conversation really gets into a Christian Bale Batman soundlike contest. Mm, yeah. Because they really how rough are. Can we go? Uh, yeah, right. Let me tell me tell you what yeah. we're gonna do now. Like I mean, like <laughs> yeah, it's there there is a moment where where Banna screams and he just screams and kind mm-hmm. of lurches forward. And I think even Nolte looks around like, where did that come from, man? <laughs> <laughs> are, have you read any of the comics, any of you uh, with these? So they, they pulled a couple of villains from the Hulk pages, mm-hmm. Absorbing Man and yep. Zacks, yeah. and kind of incorporated them into uh, what happens to David Banner here in the film. Are, are you guys familiar with those characters at all? Yeah, yeah. The... Uh, Zach basically is just a, sort of a non-human intelligence kind of thing, so it's just sort of just a monster. Uh, but yeah, Zordon Man has been around for a long time, and I think he's been in every animated show Marvel has ever done, no matter what the character. Crusher Creel shows up. He was in Agents yep. of Shield. I mean, like he Early. was a a recurring one because his powers are incredibly cinematic, as we see in this. Yeah. Even though they gave the powers to somebody else, the idea like he's a he's basically like a big strong dude who touches stuff and can turn into that. And he has gone all the way up the chain. Like he's he's fought Spider Man, he's fought everybody, and up to when he got a chance, he grabbed Thor's hammer and suddenly became made of Uru, and that was a elevated him to a whole different level of people that he could fight. Then. Mm. So yeah, it's been really good. Oh, I, I actually wow. didn't even pick up on it the first time I saw it. It was when I had to have a, a geekier friend pull aside and go, you know, that was absorbing man. I was like, oh, of course it was absorbing man. Why did I think of that? Well, and that speaks to one other thing that I really loved is when he first starts absorbing stuff and he touches that metal and his hand kind of dissolves into it. And the way it moves, it is so cool. The way that it's just kind of sliding around like he can't quite get it off. I I think that's one of the coolest Well, and with that, Andy, the sound design of that, the metal on metal kind of scraping uh, was gruesome i love the because absorbing man's power it's it's the the constraint with that is he can only be the last thing that he touched right and i i've always loved that it's one of my very favorite i mean you say cinematic truly like it is the greatest archetype of superhero dumb right it's this incredible ability this incredible power and this incredible constraint like you have to have such patience to wield it and so um i think that's one of those characters like just being a side character in all of these different properties has always made me a little sad i'd love to see him given more Mm -hmm. um more screen time he had had a long run on ages of shield but they still but it was always kind of a c character it was a dope junkie where he like had to touch the stuff exactly i was not crazy about mm. that arc yeah i was really hoping with with zach's kind of the the lightning guy that Mm -hmm. that part could have been because that seemed like a really cool fight for Hulk, right? Fighting right. electricity, basically. I, I loved the idea of that I, I I liked what they did, where he kind of zaps him up into the clouds, and kind of they fight through the clouds in a series of images that look mm-hmm. like comic panels in the sky before they kind of crash land. I liked the idea of that; it looked really cool, and it's beautiful just to look at. But it's like that took everything out of that fight that I wanted in the fight. Yeah, it loses yeah, a lot of like momentum. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's, that's it's it's a it's a good trope in terms of that because that's that's what you do is you take the hero and you put him against a villain that doesn't that, that they can't defeat using their main ability. So you have the Hulk give him somebody he can't hit, and suddenly it becomes a very different kind of fight. Right, exactly. Uh, the, yeah. One nod to the bunker, uh, the very early Hulk, uh, the like first six issues right he becomes a hulk and he goes and he finds this underground bunker and that's where he lives and he has his his manservant uh you know <laughs> run errands for him and he's kind of like dracula <laughs> right and he kind of sleeps oh, yeah. at, and, and anyway so this movie i i think they found the bunker and it belonged to the umbrella corporation like i have never seen <laughs> more screens <laughs> devoted to where people are on this hive map of underground caves i thought that was an incredible waste of military resources and also really beautiful <laughs> well this, this whole movie is a waste of military yeah. resources i mean like it's i understand that this whole movie takes place over like a week 
maybe two weeks. Mm. Uh, but the 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 first time they fight him, they shoot a bunch of times. It doesn't work. They're like, sir, what should we do? Have we tried more bullets? <laughs> okay, well, then definitely more. I mean, when they're at the end, they're still shooting him. It's like, guys, yeah. Like, <laughs> I know that like the military does not known for their creativity, but you did the foam <laughs> thing. We could try yeah, the foam thing say, again. Foam. It worked pretty well. That held him, right? Right. Oh. Just like, how about how about bigger bullets? No, it's the bullets thing is just not working, guys. Great sequence that I don't think I've seen in any of the other Hulk stuff, which is when he first, he, he beats up uh, Josh Lucas, right? Throws him out outside the house, and then they fire all of the bullets at him, the aforementioned many bullets, and he actually mm-hmm. gets more angry and grows bigger. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. was really cool. What a nice Hulk touch, touch you know? The sock, you saw the limits the of his sock socks. limit, And then they're just, The, yeah. the uh, HSL, <laughs> the Hulk sock limit, I, I think we was right. fully tested good moment yeah and even even saw um somebody made this point online so i won't take credit for it but uh when the hulk is there and uh and comes out and looks up and the weapon they fire at him that covers around that thing that's the jericho right <laughs> i mean <laughs> it's, it's it goes up in the air it disperses it, it covers totally the entire looks like, area. That, like yeah. yes that's the jericho <laughs> I, okay, so we talked a little bit about the villain here. We've got Dad, who, you know, he ends up kind of taking on a couple different comic book character villains. There was a possibility in one of the earlier scripts that it would be three guys who would have been been somehow turned into giant man insects. Mm. Oh, Uh, Gamma-irradiated insect DNA. Three convicts who end up getting uh, kind of different, you know, it's it's one of those things. They each get a different type of bug, uh, you know, DNA on them. So one is more... Would they come in riding the gamma dogs? Then, <laughs> and one yeah, of them bigger set, but they're fun to go crazy from that. And one of them is Jeff Goldblum. Please, please. Oh, so, how would that work? I mean, you know, there are, there are issues with Dad. There are issues with kind of the the kind of the villain. You know, he turns into the rock monster and the water mm-hmm. monster and everything. Does that work better though, um, or would, st- you, would that be in place of the Gamma Dogs? No, it would be. There would be no Dad. That would. Have been the villain. These three convicts were the bad guys. Would you guys prefer that, or do you like this better? I think okay. So if you do the events of this movie up until the midpoint, and then have that happen, then the Hulk gets to be a hero because in this whole thing, he doesn't really get to be a hero except the one time he saves the jet, and then obviously he kind of saves the world, but no one really knows that just because they popped the big green glowy thing and it all went away, and then he's either dead or gone as far as they're concerned. So I think that would have been good to have him actually be the Godzilla thing where he's saving the city from the other monsters. Well, and what a great setup for, you know, our the superhero lore, right? That there's, this is a right. conflicted relationship that we have with our heroes. And this is the first one we're yeah. going to see. And it's going to set the table for a lot of conflicted relationships to come. And you can, and obviously you have to have a scene where a little kid walks up to Hulk and reaches out to him as he turns around and there's a quiet moment as the two of them almost touch mm-hmm. hands and Denny Elfman tinkles away in the background. <laughs> and the sun's getting really low in the sky. That's right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which they have that moment when he shows up in the cabin in the woods. That almost happens. It yeah. almost happens. No, that's better because on, I honestly, I really thought, I just thought that, Nick, I mean, it's not Nick Nolte's fault. It's just the character, the way it's that story is told of his father. Mm-hmm. Is horrible. So, but we even find out that in the end, like when they tease the whole opening of what happened to the mother, right? Well, yeah, that scene where he comes out with the knife and that—that's horrifying. Yeah, yeah. he's gonna. So, so I need to since I have all you guys here, I, I didn't <laughs> understand that part. Now, I I might have briefly lost consciousness watching this movie. Um, maybe my brain just firmly trying to get me away from it. Uh, but what the heck happened that day? Because I like the, the the day that that uh, Bruce's mother died, so he so David Banner gets fired, and then Ross right. loses stuff and breaks all the stuff, and so he realizes, oh, if I just leave it, then my kid is gonna get weird and strange, and no one comes up, so I have to destroy this thing. And so he goes to their place and tries; he's gonna kill the kid, but instead he ends up killing the mom to kill the kid, 
and then something green explodes and Ross leaves his daughter to eat ice cream with a stranger. I, I, I missed something. Was there a, something else going on? That was there like a bomb that was set to go off? I don't, I don't know. Well, I think it was David Banner did it. <laughs> yeah, it was David's experiment. He oh, okay. kind of, so he, he set it off basically, or, or okay. I don't know if he was trying to destroy his work or something. It's very, it's not explained very well, yeah, but I think he wasn't weapons. He was a, he was a geneticist. Like why would he have a bomb? Well, I don't think it was a bomb, but whatever it was, he was doing created some reaction yeah, he, in and the base. Cause it was he, like, he a, overloaded all the switches and then it's took all the about switches. switches. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, okay. it's poorly executed. It, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense as to what happens or why it happens or did it affect other people? Because it yeah. looks, they, they shoot it in a way where it feels like fifties, uh, you know, atomic bomb footage where you're watching in the old little village in the middle of the desert as an atomic bomb blows up and it destroys everybody. I mean, it's totally shot just like that. It's just, yeah. it's, you know, so you're assuming, does everybody get irradiated by the green cloud that just or do off? they it's, Or do they get turned to dust? And the only reason that we have yeah. David and Bruce left today is because they had been sort of prepared like they had the you know whatever but inside betty was there betty was oh there. you're right betty was there oh now it's, totally her dad. it's like yeah. A, yeah and then that's another aspect that i really didn't like the fact that they all ended up kind of yeah. so conveniently yeah. coming from the same child what are the odds and, mm. and do we uh, you know i really thought when they go in the bedroom when he takes his mother in the bedroom mm-hmm. like you never know what that is like what does he do he's just like honey I, we got to kill the kid right <laughs> yeah. honey sit down you're gonna, you're gonna need to sit down and she goes and she goes no why what yeah. you know like sometimes I mean, our sun turns a little green well clearly right or, but, or what like <laughs> does know. it start with that is that what he's trying to sell or is he trying to sell or is he trying to kill her to get I, her out of the way or is he just saying a bomb's gonna go off and then we're gonna eat oatmeal and i want it hard and she disagrees and everyone's gonna die <laughs> we're gonna have yeah like it just doesn't uh, it's unclear my understanding is that he wants to kill the kid Mm-hmm. And she tries to stop okay. him, accidentally gets stabbed, and then stumbles off into the desert to die while he runs off to destroy all of his work. And that causes the green explosion. Leaving, by, by the way, in that scene, leaving the child alone. Mm-hmm. He, he, yeah, they both, well, both parents are terrible mm-hmm. parents because yeah. yes. yeah, dad runs <laughs> off leaving Bruce alone and General Ross runs off leaving his daughter alone. And then Bruce, in her dreams, is the one who picks her up. It's very odd. And then tries to kill her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, you know what other scene I really laughed at? I when you just said the fifties, the fifties like nuclear fear propaganda. I did yeah. laugh at this because this this is this just I don't know why this came to me. The scene at the end where he pops up in downtown San Francisco towards towards the end, and all the and they're going to all the different shots of all the military, the police, and everyone pointing the gun at him, and she's coming down the mountain. I literally had this moment where I expected him to just the Hulk to look down at her and go, "I'll go." You stay. <laughs> no following. <laughs> it just was a super Iron Giant moment. I just, I just made me laugh. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. But I, I've and, forgotten that the end end of the movie has him in some vague South American country. Fascinating. Speaking of the language, too. Which With the worst did, fake beard oh, ever. Oh, terrible, right. terrible, <laughs> terrible fake beard. Yeah, it um, is. But yeah, but the, I, you know, knowing that uh, Incredible Hulk starts with Bruce on the run in a South American country. I was like, oh, okay, they really uh, did sort of like lightly make it a sequel. They, you know, a little bit. It was kind of tied in because yeah, the Hulk in the of. jungle is a is a kind of a nice visual. It, it, unfortunately, I mean, it, and I'm sure you guys will talk about this uh, quite a bit, but I mean, you know, Universal did not move quick enough getting their sequel off the ground that they had been wanting to do. And so um, Marvel ended up getting the film rights back and that's when they began. And so they didn't, it's frustrating because it, it's kind of a sequel, but it also is very much a, uh, a reboot. You know, that's how they kind of uh, saw it. And, uh, you know, once Edward Norton gets involved in projects, mm-hmm. he really likes to kind of throw his creative hand into it and Ooh, yes. muck, muck things up or make them better or what, however you see it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that he and, and Louie, ended up really kind of, you know, just kind of doing a, a film that uh, I think doesn't feel, I don't know, it's tricky. It feels like it could be a sequel, 
I guess that may be why it is it why it works because it feels like it could be a sequel. It doesn't necessarily feel like a straight up reboot. It's not a, an origin story. So I think to that end, maybe it it works in both ways. I I know I'm, I'm coming around to the idea that though we have the technology, I don't know that a solo Hulk film is possible to make it really be that good. Like I think it's just there's. It worked as a television show. It worked in an ensemble, but like I, I'm not really claim. I, I like Mark Ruffalo's version of it, and even if they decided to revert Smart Hulk back to Fox thing, I guess I just don't really see that there's a good way of doing it and have people be satisfied. With it. I, I'll be interesting you know, to see. Uh, well, yeah, it's earned. Uh, I will be interested yeah. to see <laughs> what they do. What they do with Smart Hulk. I, I think that they're they've just turned right the 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 archetype on its ear. Right now, he's got a whole new conflict, and there yeah. is a lot to explore in this particular thing. I hope they don't give up on it because I I would love to see what Ruffalo is able to do with a character like this. I think there is there is a lot of headroom uh, to play. I mean, the, well, like I'm curious we, how much more they're planning on doing. Like, I, I haven't heard of anything. Like, has Mark no. Ruffalo said he's going to do much more? I mean, I know She-Hulk is coming. Yeah, um, that's that's the X factor out there. Right. Is, is, yeah. Is, uh, so that might be where... That or, yeah, because yeah, he's, he's the one that we have not really heard one way or another, yeah. like the rest of them have said, we're done or we're out here or, or we're moving to Disney Marvel plus. It doesn't want to have anything to do with them yeah. or, but I mean, like we, we've been uh, on road to infinity. We've been revisiting all the Spider-Man movies. So we've been going back through and I would say it took them five tries to make a great Spider-Man movie. Uh, the, right. I mean, the first Tim Raymond one was, was a solid movie, but like homecoming is better and they've they had two tries to make a hulk movie and the first ant-man movie was better (laughs) i mean at a certain point you kind of go yeah maybe it just doesn't work like they you know like they had they did how many three seasons four seasons of the series and it was great and that's what people remember because they're still making references to it uh and yet uh, here we are with uh, the hulk as a a a team player and uh better than he's been in his solo movies so so in uh, let me ask you this uh, on a on a on the Hulk green scale, <laughs> where does the color of this Hulk rate? I, I will say there's no paint getting rubbed off. True, yeah. very true. All right, there we go. <laughs> uh, I mean, I I love that Lou Ferrigno makes an appearance here. It's great yeah. seeing him, mm-hmm. but uh, boy, there were some shots very clearly in the TV movies when we were looking at those, where you could just tell like the wrong thing happened, and he's walking around, and there's a big chunk of green that's just not on him <laughs> yeah. anymore, and it's like. <laughs> But his, he's really I couldn't I did not realize how bright he was in this in this film. Oh, yeah. Well, and they talked about that. I mean, it was a very difficult process. And and they even said uh, because this was really one of the first big kind of CG characters like this. And, and they said it was really frustrating because when they would make him look like normal colored skin, he looked really good. But when they would paint him green, they really couldn't ever get it to kind of quite look right. And get it was out of just, my swamp. Yeah, it just it was really frustrating for them. And so I think um, it was a good learning ground, I guess, to that extent for ILM to play around and and start figuring out what they needed to do so that by the time uh, the Incredible Hulk rolled around, they, you know, everybody had a much better sense as to how to do it right. Well, you know, that Hulk is cut. So clearly he's been doing a lot more, you know, what to, to try and get more definition, less bulk, right. you know. Right. Long and lean muscles. <laughs> well, Long a little more, and lean. Right. A little more tar- targeting the specific. Uh, yeah, exactly. Is, is this that also... Brad Pitt and Troy look? <laughs> oh, wait. Speaking of, speaking of that, I still say it made me laugh. Why is the one scene where he's in the in the cab when he fights off the dogs and he loses his pants? Oh, <laughs> this is a good story, actually. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, because like, there is a reason. Uh, is it Ang really? Lee wanted him naked. <laughs> Ang Lee said, "Like, I want him naked. I want a naked fight." And the other guy was like, "Whoa, oh, no, 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 no!" Like, uh, uh, Hulk uh, doesn't get naked. Hulk, so that was the compromise: is he can wear briefs and they get ripped off during the fight. Wow. So, but, and, and they say, and, and actually they pointed this out in the, I think it was the uh, Everything Wrong with Hulk uh, video. Um, and there's this, there's, a, <laughs> there's, in that fight through the Hulk dogs, and this would be a great note to end on. Uh, in the three of the Hulk dogs, uh, he punches one of the dogs in the nards. Uh, and so some ILM technician had to animate Hulk dog nards. <laughs> nice. Of course. <laughs> What'd of course you do did. today, honey? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. That is the place. That's the place to end on yep. this movie. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. Right <laughs> well, everybody, um, you know, it, it's a movie that made money at the box office. It did? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. this was one of the top films of its year. Absolutely yeah. was. Yeah, it was a, a, a big success. Um, and everyone it, except Rob has seen it. Yeah, apparently, apparently, you know, it's it's a problematic film. Um, It's interesting to look at. There are things that work in it, as we've said, Um, but it's uh, it's a rough ride. It can be rough. And uh, it was rougher for me this time, more so than it had ever been before. And that's, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't know. It's kind of frustrating, but um, I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys end up doing with uh, with The Incredible Hulk as that one continues. I, we are very excited about you guys uh, coming in and taking over the season and bringing your uh, expertise and commentary to uh, Marvel Movie Minute and and thrilled to be working with you and can't wait to to see what happens as the season unfolds. It's going to be a good time. We're, we're looking forward to it. We've already uh, started putting some stuff together, uh, seeing how it works. Obviously, we'll be a little bit different from what you guys did, but hopefully we'll uh, um, you know, uh, do you proud. And we won't uh, break what we let you. We won't. We won't hold I was just going to say, and try not to break anything. <laughs> yeah. As long as you leave lots of room for <laughs> Rob to lower his head in prayer or embarrassment. <laughs> I mean, whatever. <laughs> No, we're we're really looking forward to it. It's going to be a great season, uh, and it's going to start probably in about a month. A little, uh, you know, because of everything, all the shifts, we're running a little bit behind. But it'll probably be February when when these episodes start dropping. So everybody, keep tuning in and enjoy. And thank you guys for uh, for taking on this uh, monumental task of talking about the Incredible Hulk one minute at a time, and uh, for joining us here on. Uh, on the show to talk about Hulk today, everyone's favorite. Puny human. Until next time, true believers. Ah!